Okay. So we'll go, we'll do a quick synopsis of yes, sir. Last week we mentioned mega churches. Yes, sir. Churches over a thousand and giga churches. There is a giga church. Jesus is the head of it. Mm. The church. The church. Congregations are part of that or not part of that. Uh, so we are part of a giga church. Uh, Jesus created it. Jesus is its priest. It's uh, the Lord of it. He is our head. Yep. Across the globe. Yes. One church, right? Yes. That's cool. So, last week, we talked about uh, leadership, how the, how the world defines leader and servant, and that uh, the world sees a leader as someone in charge and a servant as someone who is not, or someone who just does whatever the leader says. So, they're, as the world sees it, opposing ideas. And we looked at, last week we had a story of both good and bad leadership in our story about Henry Ford, who led his company to great success and then nearly ran it into the ground due to poor leadership. So he had really good leadership and then didn't ever change the formula and nearly ran it into the ground. So we obviously have an important, we know the importance of strong leadership and we know what happens when you don't have strong leadership. We talked about what that means as far as church goes. What, what happens when you don't have strong leadership in church. And we talked about a few of, of the things that can occur there. And then we looked at uh, kind of... We looked at the New Testament and what Jesus, how Jesus taught his disciples. The disciples being the leaders of the church. They spread the church and they started churches, so they're leaders. And uh, so we looked to see how or what Jesus taught them and then how they kind of lived that out to learn how leadership is taught within the church. And what we found is that in the New Testament, there is not leadership development being taught as we might expect or as the world expects, right? It's uh, it's. It's focused more on producing faithful disciples and holy living through service to others. So then we looked at how the disciples carried out their training. And we focused more on how they introduced themselves later on in their various gospels, how they introduced themselves. They all introduced themselves as uh, servants. And the word they used, the servants of Christ, and the word they used, the Greek word was doulos, which means bondservant or slave, so someone who has been paid for, bought, who is definitely owned. Just the, the lowest version of servant within the Greek language. And I'll sum up this with, uh, well, I'll repeat the quote we had at the, at the end of class, just to kind of sum up everything. Great leadership in the cause of Christ is not the result of our striving to be a leader. Leadership is a result of practicing genuine servanthood wherever we are and whatever position we are called to by Christ. By living and ministering as servants, our loving and humble service will impact those around us as great leadership. We look at what the world, how the world views that, and that is what I just read doesn't make sense to the world. This leader is this 
the person out front, the person leading the charge, the person screaming orders, and that's not what we're being taught. That's not the example that Jesus gave. So this week, still focused on leadership, I wanted to uh, kind of look at one of one of the sneakiest, at least in my opinion, pitfalls of leadership. Because we all at some point have influence to those around us, and that is leadership. Whether it's through service, or through the position you hold, or whatever. But there's a, a major pitfall I see in just normal human nature. So, we'll start with this. And this is historical, so it must be 100% true because I found it on the internet. <laughs> Bear with me with that one, okay? All right. That is, if it's in the divine history, there's only one divine history book in the world. Yes, Every and it's not the internet. And doesn't even claim to be inerrant except for the work that God gave us. Exactly. Okay. One cold winter morning during the American Revolutionary War. That's his prime target right there. A soldier rode out of his encampment and noticed a group of his comrades desperately trying to put a log on top of a wall they were building. Each time they attempted it, the beam fell. The men were exhausted and ready to give up. The only thing stopping them from throwing the towel was a corporal who was overseeing the work and kept shouting words of encouragement, but they couldn't manage to do it. After watching their lack of success, the soldier asked the corporal why he didn't lend a hand. Don't you see I'm a corporal, he answered. Without saying a word, the soldier dismounted and helped the infantrymen put the timber in place. Then he told the men, if you, if you should need help again, call on Washington, your commander-in-chief, and I will come. So, why did George Washington take the time to build a wall with his soldiers? He was the commander-in-chief, and this corporal, who was much lower than the commander-in-chief, was not helping physically. He knew that the success of the campaign was directly related to the success of those soldiers and that they were all on the same team with the same goal. And so hierarchy at that point didn't matter. The goal mattered. So he got down there and got the job done. That's just what a good leader should do. Makes sense. You hear it like this and you're like, well, yeah, the whole the world would agree. We should all do that. But yet, that's not necessarily how <laughs> the world sees a leader. I read through this story and immediately I think, well, the corporal was this horrible guy. He didn't know what he was doing and he just was too lazy to help and all this. But I reread it a couple times and he's not a bad guy. He was, he was shouting words of encouragement according to this. He's like, you guys can do it. You can do it. But they couldn't. So his failure was, he saw, they saw, well, yeah, his failure was, that he saw the failure to build the wall as their failure and not his failure to realize that they need all they needed was a pair of hands just to get the job done. That's all they needed. So, if we're trying to focus on 
on us? How do we apply things like this to our lives? Um, what, what, what was the problem that the corporal had? What was, mm, how do I ask that question? Segmentation. He saw everybody had their job, and he didn't see that everybody can help. He had a place within an organization. He was structured. Yeah. It did not start with him being a servant with the, the least of the people working around him. He saw that job as beneath his station. And in leadership, if you start using the term I a lot, that's where that segmentation, you know, I do this, I do that. If you get away from that fact of we, um, then that's where that kind of leadership kind of fosters and grows. If you get to we, then you realize that it's not them building the wall, it's us building the wall. And then you're more apt to mentally do it out there and to go help. After class last week, um, I looked up some list that I, I had seen several times, so I went on the internet because that's where all the truth is. <laughs> right. And uh, the list of managers versus leaders, and they're 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 very similar all, all the list. And one of the attributes is always a manager says go, and a leader says let's go. Mm. So he's he's hands on with the team. Yeah. He's part of the he's part of the solution. Have you ever noticed, and I'll say Chris, have you ever noticed in the training that we take at work, the leadership training that we take at work, they always say, do it this way, and it's great and wonderful, and and it sounds great. Is it ever applied in the way that they say that it should be? Baptism by fire. It's like it this it's this is the way it should be, but this is the way it's all it's ever done. It's never implemented. <laughs> The way the training says it, it just never. never. Nope. And in class, we've done this so many times. Like, well, it'd be great, but that's that doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. Is that the whole trainers train, the doers do? <laughs> well, perhaps, perhaps. Top, you may you may hit on this anyways, okay. but ever since you've started talking about this leadership deal or whatnot, one one thought that's been in my mind that I I hope that we talk a little bit about would be the fact that we so often take for granted the one of the main ones that we miss and that is leadership in our own homes all these aspects you're talking about you as a man in the home as a leader are supposed to be doing the same thing with your family mm -hmm. of saying let's do let's go being that example right. uh, so I think sometimes we take that for granted it's just kind of like oh that's automatic yeah I'm the father or whatever and I it is something you need to think about and yeah and that's that's one of the things that I was trying to get at with um, that we are all leaders we all have influence in some way whether it's I mean it doesn't have to be a job or your station or a position a title it's your life it could be just the people you interact with just the people within your own home it's everywhere but yeah, yeah. Before, before that sounds sexist and saying that, that <laughs> the men are the I will say you and your wife once you have the same goal in mind, you're yeah. both being leaders to your family, if yeah. you will. It's a unified so front. It as a, right. Yeah. But you can lead by example in that aspect, right? Yeah. So, you know, you can be the one that brings it forward to your family, right. or maybe the wife does, and you say, let's go do it, right? So there's right. definitely a, a lead by example in that aspect. The biblical aspect is going to say that the man's the leader in the home and all, and we agree with that. Yeah. But you're right. If if you both have a plan, and, he, and you talk about it, and it comes from, a, from that, 
boy, it's what you can accomplish with your family just by showing mom and dad saying this is going to be a priority. This is yeah. what's important. This is what, you know. That, that's why I think it's great to um, be on the same page as your spouse because then there's not this confrontation like, well, I think we should do it this way. And they're like, well, I think we should do it this way. And then there's this confrontation. But if you're both on the same page, yeah. then if, we say, if I say as the father, if I say, hey, we should do this, my wife would be like, yeah, that's exactly what we should do. And there we go. So it's not like I'm being a dictator because we all agree, you know. It's a unified, unified front. Okay. And if you say, uh, because I'm the father, uh, this is what we're going to do, you've missed the point. The point was God created Adam and Eve as two physical beings to become one flesh, both having attributes the other one didn't have. Adam was incomplete. The only thing that God ever created that he had to fix was humans. He created Adam. Uh, God, the Father of the Word, the Holy Spirit, evidently is not gender-oriented. And so they just assumed Adam would be part of them, was like them. But Adam was, there was something missing with Adam. He was different. Uh, he needed the other part of that. Uh, everything needs leadership. Uh, and it often is structured the way somebody from somewhere else says will work best. That's the family. The family is leadership. God said, Adam, Eve, they are one. Go out and fill the earth. Uh, whenever the apostles started appointing leaders in the church, what did they look for? We started all talking about Timothy and Titus last week. They said, find somebody who's been doing it for 15, 20 years in his home, in his household, which often meant more than just the family. It could be an extended family part of a house. Usually a much larger group, Minus yeah. people that have been doing that and appoint them over the work of the church so that they may continue doing what they have been doing, but with the church as well as their own household, their own family. Right. And the, the family is supposed to be a reflection of the relationship that we have with, with Christ as well. I'm okay, about so to bring up something that is some people might agree, some people might disagree. Well, don't do it then. <clears throat> oh, <laughs> you know me. I was at a church where, as soon as certain people, they were elders' kids, had a baby, they were named deacons. Whoa. And I'm reading through the Bible and it says children, and I understand that part, but to me, like he said, it's your growing the children up and the children should always already be like an adult or at least a teenager I would think you but know it's interesting these were elder sons or son-in-law that, that last week you spoke up and segued me uh-huh you're doing it again okay cool <laughs> because I'm good that specific thing is kind of what I'm getting at next see it's a Todd thing yeah we got you know I don't know no. it's a Todd thing <laughs> Uh, the, Thomas A. Kempis wrote a book, The Imitation of Christ, and he said, Those who stand highest in esteem of men are most exposed to grievous peril, since they often have too much confidence in themselves. So to me, what that's, if you're already building a hierarchy based on yeah. bloodlines, then there's something that's gone awry. It was an interesting church, let's put it that way. Yeah, that, that would be... 
That would be very interesting. But, um, so obviously we're talking at this point about pride. And the natural tendency for most people, if you talk about pride, well, you're like, that's awful stuff. We stay away from that as best we can. But man, is it sneaky. The reason I'm focusing this class on that is because I have to fight that all the time. That's a struggle, 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 because it's so sneaky. When you actively avoid it, it can still sneak in because you're like, ah, oh, I've avoided it. Ah, oh, well, I fell in it again. Because <laughs> it's just, man, it's sneaky. Well, as a singer, you have to have pride in your voice. Or at least so you have some to, amount of confidence. But yeah. it's not out of context, yeah, but it's, it's pride. I'm confident that I can sing well, and I have to be. Because if not, I don't sing well. True. But that, there's two different types of pride. There's a type of pride where you think you're the best singer in the world. And then there's a type of pride that you have confidence that you can sing well. Well, even that. You can say, well, I can sing well. I may not be the best in the world. But then you see someone else and say, I'm better than them. Then it gets you again. That's the yeah. That's that is difficult because it's so sneaky. We have an opportunity to have pride in what we speak because it is from the inspired Creator of the universe. It's if the we source. Say, scripture says we're not saying I know everything. Right. We're saying I want to tell you about the guy who knows everything. Right. Have you know. yeah. It's the it's the source, which is not me. Exactly. I've I've talked to my supervisor a lot about this. This is weird because and I brought him up in class before. I actually have the whole quote. I talked to him. I said, I'm going to quote you in class tomorrow. I want the whole quote. What is it? And his quote is, pride is to the soul as sugar is to the body. It makes you feel good and then it kills you. <laughs> Man. <laughs> yeah, he's an interesting guy. We've had many a talk. Um, I'm pretty lucky to have him. He's going to retire probably at the end of the year, which is not great um, for me. But uh, we've, we've talked about all manner of things. I mean, he's so against pride, he never said to his kids, I'm proud of you. That sounds bad. What he did instead was, he would say, uh, I'm pleased with your accomplishment. Because in his mind, when he said, I'm proud of you, he was saying, look how good what you did makes me look. So he refused to say that, and he would say, I'm pleased with your accomplishment because you're the one that did it. He wanted to push the spotlight on to who accomplished something. So that's why he did it that way. Sounds bad when he said he never, he never told his kids that he's proud of them. Well, not in those words, but yeah, he basically he did. <laughs> well, my dad was one of those that did not say he loved me to men. Yeah. I did not hug my dad. I shook his hand. Because mm. that, that's the way he was. That's the way how, how he was brought up. Yeah. Did he love me? Yes, he loved me. And he showed it. He showed he loved me. But he never said, I love you. Yeah. Because the reason I bring that up is I've seen uh, people that have killed people 
And they said, well, the reason why is my dad never said he loved me. So, yeah. Does that mean I can kill people then? Yeah. I don't think that's how that works. That's what he said. He yeah. said, my dad never said he loved me. So my dad didn't either. But I knew he loved me. Yeah. So it's a slight difference. But then pride. Well, and, it, and that's the whole yeah. taking responsibility type thing. After three years with disciples following him around and seeing how he went about stuff, Jesus said, you guys want to be on the right and the left hand? Let me show you something. And he yep. got down on his hands and knees, took off his outer robe, and washed their feet. The, the most dualist job in the Greek uh, empire of the first century. Somebody who washed people's feet. Uh, leadership is showing uh, servanthood in Jesus' mind. On the night before he died, he was about to die for our sins, not his own, because his father had asked him to. And he was the servant. He, he, the had, servant he had submitted to everything that God wanted. So if we're talking about pride in uh, Luke 10, Jesus warns a group about pride. He warns the 72. He had just sent the 72 out at the beginning of <coughs> chapter 10. And then toward, let's see, I think it's verse 17 when they come back, it says, The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So they, the 72 weren't being malicious, like, look how great I am. No, they were excited, like, look at this awesome stuff that we can do. But he's like, Jesus saying, hold on. Remember, the goal is not look at what I can do. It's look at where I'm going. Um, it's that sneaky pride. It can just creep in without, without even realizing. Even when you're looking for it. It can still creep in when you're actively avoiding stuff. It will still creep in. It's important too that we also remember, like for example, I mean today we we definitely sit in a society today which is very much about a very judgmental idea of the people around us, and it's we we like to think that someone who is talented in what they do, who are who have the uh, strong abilities and things that. We, we like to place pride on them. We, we like to think that it's like, well, they're, they're, they're so prideful in what they do and things like that. And, that it's, um, and because of that, we, you get a lot of people or you get a lot of instances of people who are, they're backing off of, of skills they have or abilities they have because they are, they're so afraid mm. that everyone around them is going to see them as being you know, conceited and they're going to be prideful in what, they, in they, what, they're, what they're doing. Um, at the end of the day, it, the only people that know whether you're prideful is you and God, and, does, and and how you act is can show that. But if you're not if you're not acting on that, but people just want to think that because a lot of times we do that to leadership, we do that to uh, they say, well, they just made that decision because they're just controlling power. Yeah, it, it, it's in, unless you unless they tell you that you, you're you're basically putting your opinion on them, and so it's important to remember to not allow. 
that outside idea because I mean this country has a long-standing tradition of not liking people in power, yeah. and and we were we were founded on it. So, and so we we tend to to place that mentality on on others simply because we don't like the achievements that they have had, and we want to, we want to knock them down a little bit. Yeah, that's a <laughs> jealousy. That's still a prideful thing on our part if we're doing that. Yeah. So when I read when you read that, I think of Jesus changing the focus of your focus isn't to um, it's not the power that I've given you to squash the demons. It's your focus is to get to heaven, right? And it reminded me of a quote that says, "Power tends to corrupt. Absolute power corrupts absolutely." Mm -hmm. And so um, it's, it's one of those things where you do, you're right, it is a um, dangerous dance sometimes with pride and leadership to make sure that the fo focus is on what I've done, it's what we've done, right? And um, I'm constantly reminded about that at work um, all the time by my wonderful mentor, Bill Boss. <laughs> he lets me know right on the spot. So, oh, yeah, that's great. So it's great. <clears throat> I don't know this, how much this matters, but... It feels like it's, it feels like it would matter some, you know. Whenever we, uh, whenever we look back at, you know, some of the, uh, some of our past presidents that are, that are, uh, especially it seems like, say Abraham Lincoln, and, and I think you know, George Washington, probably a couple uh, others back in there. It it. it it seemed like they often, uh, if you read in some of their old writings or history or whatnot, that they're quoted as saying something about, you know, that they had time in prayer, time, uh, that they actually uh, believed that God, God had put them in the, the position they were in and, uh, and given them a great responsibility. And just, just kind of, uh, you know, and, and I think of that in contrast to, to, to now, it seems like the, our, our country would, doesn't like it if uh, if uh, if somebody in that in that uh, somebody in that 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 uh, uh, position uh, you know gives credit to God or acknowledges that they get, that they're there because of God. I don't know how much that might mean. It feels like it would mean something though. Well. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. The, the world as it stands is, uh, when, you mention, when you mention God in a public setting like that, people often retract for, for some reason. The irony of it all is that the, the, I don't know how many presidents back, but the last handful of presidents have taken their oaths using the Lincoln Bible. The really? Lincoln Bible? Yeah. So yeah, they, means, they, they take his Bible... Um, I think Trump holds the record. I think he had four Bibles stacked on top of each other, um, something like that. But they, but that's traditionally they use the Lincoln Bible, which is ironic. But it's also it's I mean, which is fine, but it's also well, just use your own. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that can open a different door, probably. So going all the way back to the family again. God tells women to love their husbands and submit themselves. That would be us within the church. But he tells the husbands, be like Jesus. He was willing to die for his family. That's your role in the family. 
whatever it takes, including dying yourself so that your family might prosper. Mm -hmm. That is the role of the husband. It doesn't tell the women in Ephesians, or the men in Ephesians, to love their families. That, that seems inherently true. But what he tells them is, be willing to give up everything you are and that you can accomplish, that your family, your children and your wives, might go to heaven, we would say, prosper in their circumstances within the family because of your leadership. Yeah, and we'll look at a little bit of that a little later today. Um, but yes, yeah, the, the, the example that Jesus gave us was a servant. He wanted the best for us. If, if we're being an example uh, or following his example, then we want the best for our families. And you're not going to lord it over somebody and crush them into the ground just for a power trip if you want the best for them. It just, that's just not going to happen. Got me thinking about something. Ryan, you can tell me if I'm, if I'm wrong. We've never had a Jewish president, have we? All the presidents have said they were a Christian of some sort, if I'm correct. No, that's not true. But the as for whether we have a Jewish one or not, I don't think so. But yeah, I have to look on that. I'm not. I don't think so. But I have to look. As for though, but claiming Christianity, no, that is not true. Oh, they don't. Yeah, no, we've had a, we've had a few who who were not refused the Bible. Mm -hmm. a few. Uh, the one of the first I'm trying to hear was I don't know Madison. I think um, yeah. Madison okay. Monroe. Um, instead of doing his oath on the Bible, he did his oath on a book of laws. No, oh, okay. Um, instead of the Bible, but he yeah, been, no Jewish personnel. Not that I'm aware. Of. Have ever yeah that I know of have ever been president. Hmm. Anyways, sorry, sorry. Yeah. No. Nope. nope. I I didn't know that. I never thought about it. Well, uh, I think weird <laughs> things. <laughs> um. It's not weird. It's interesting. I. Not to my wife. <laughs> no. <okay. laughs> we say that about our presence for something we said at different times. Do what? All of these men gave honor to God at times in their lives, but they also said some things, three or four of them, that would indicate that it was all about them. They were man. They were the ultimate creation, and they could lead this new nation on the North American continent. Right. Uh, and that is failed leadership at its very most basic. Yeah. So well, C.S. Lewis said in Mere Christianity, there is no fault which makes a man more unpopular and no fault we are more unconscious of in ourselves. If you think you are not conceited, it means you are very conceited indeed. Well, how many of the 72 men he sent out come back with, I did this, I did that. Well, they were very... But they don't say in Jesus' name. Or, well, they or, do, actually. They were saying, look at what... Um, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Yeah, but yeah. how many of the 72 actually said that, and how many <coughs> came back with, well, I did this, and I'm proud of myself, or I do it. I yeah, did well, that. that's, I think, the point of the lesson that Jesus said. All right, yeah. hold up. Don't focus on mm -hmm. these great gifts that you have. Look at where you're headed, what the end game is. Look at the bigger picture. Yeah. yeah. Satan's fallen. Right. I guess, Todd, I understand leadership and management or leadership in certain structures, but I know you started today about influence. I mean, we're, we're, all either, we're all either leading or influencing it at every moment of our lives. Mm -hmm. um, we can look at what attributes, you know, we think are good qualities in those influences or leadership or what aren't. 
and try to improve the qualities that we think are going to help us be better. But it's not that we're going to necessarily define what a true leader is in every circumstance. Actually. Sure, sure. Yeah, my, my main goal with, with today was to uh, focus on the sneakiness of, of pride that can sneak in when, when you are in an influential position of any kind. And that's not to say, because, I mean, I know you got your quote from your supervisor, but it's not to say that, I mean, pride in and of itself thought of as a negative word, but when is it, like you said, to, to boost somebody or to encourage somebody in a way, um, you're trying to, sometimes you're trying to build pride in people. Um, so I guess when, it's, there's a fine line sometimes of what, and like Ryan said, you only, everybody only knows their own internal. Right. Are you taking that pride to a point that it's actually right. kind of on the, on the verge of sin, or are you taking it to the way where it's on the verge of something better? Right. I, and that's in all management. I mean, I've that's a personal thing. Yeah. Seminars and classes like you guys do, too. And you're always there, and you're always arguing with the teacher, because it's always a fine line on it a is. lot of that. It is. On which side you fall, and like Ryan said, it's very internal of yeah. knowing what side you're on. Right, right. Yeah. Sometimes you said build a pride, maybe build a purpose to your people, right? Because you're always there constantly reminding you what that purpose is, why are we here, what are we doing, what what contribution are you giving? Um, you're focusing on the end, the goal. Right. Yeah. And as Christians, especially as leaders, right, that's kind of what I mean, ultimately, this is where it's kind of interesting, ultimately, it is an individual sport. I'm one to get, you know, I want to make sure I'm in heaven, right? But I want to take as many people with me as I can. So how do we do that in this, this side of, of eternity? You know, you got to um, make it more of a we sport instead of an I sport and encourage one another, pick each other up, you know, get the mob moving forward. What is our purpose? Don't focus on the individual, what's happening to me now, but let's look at the bigger picture of where we're going right. and, and march towards that. And that's where that service plays in. Because that service is what draws people to follow. Yeah. Chris, I, let, let me give you an example. When you say that, here's a, here's a good one just to remember. When you're on the airline and they're going through their spill on safety, what do they tell you when that mask? What do they tell you about the mask? Put it on yourself first. That's exactly what he's saying there is we have to get ourselves immersed into this. We have to get ourselves in a safe situation and all and then we go around and make sure everybody else will start putting their mask on. It's the if you have two children, the put, the <coughs> splinter. put your favorite first and then add the mask. <laughs> 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 <Yeah. laughs> they would leave it to, to him to destroy this. Exam. <laughs> <laughs> that was going to be so useful. That is actually said on, that is on said some slides. Yeah, they, do, they do say that. Just to be, those airlines fly so, yeah. <laughs> those fly You know, when I think of servant leaders I think of your dad yeah and uh, I don't know how many times your dad was struggling health a little bit mm -hmm. but he cornered me out all the time how are you doing? you like to do how that are you, to people. how are you feeling are you, are you doing well all the time and, you know he was he was uh, worried about everybody else <coughs> very mindful of others. Yeah, it was, it, he was unique in that he would look for, I don't mean to make this sound strange, he would look for someone that was standing on the outskirts. That was me. 
And that's who he would target. But that's because we put you there. <laughs> On the fringe of the church. <laughs> yeah, so he would he would look for someone like that because he just he just enjoyed So if we go back to our, our leadership, yes. we see Jesus on the night that he knew he was about to be murdered. And he says, Daddy, please, I know we've been planning this since the world began, but isn't there any other way? Jesus did not, as a human with flesh on, want to cause himself to be murdered. And that's what he was doing. He bullied the Jews into murdering him on the Passover. But he says, Daddy, isn't there any other way? But then he said, you are the final authority. It's not what I am wanting right now, but what you want for mankind. God told Abraham, uh, take your son and kill him. Uh, then he said, I, I was just trying to get your attention. But when it came down to it, God did that. He sent Jesus to die die as a sacrifice for sins. Not Abraham's son, but his son to die for sacrifice. But that son said, I know I've known this since the beginning of creation, but isn't there any other way? But not my will, but your will. That's true leadership. Yeah. Jesus is about to die for other people's sins. He didn't have any sins, but he still would like for there to have been another way, but he submitted himself to the God, his Father. So, so we'll jump a little forward then, since you brought that up. Um, a few weeks ago, upstairs, I did a lesson about Spartans, the military force, right? Um, they were considered so impressive that other Greeks commonly accepted that one Spartan was worth several men of any other state just in fighting prowess. And the point of the class was what I, I found a list of rules that Spartans lived by. And I was thinking, well, if we're soldiers fighting with Christ, do we line up with Spartans? Because they were supposed to be the best of the best. So I looked to see if I could find scriptures that would match these rules. And the one that you've brought up a couple times, is uh, accepting death will allow you to live courageously. It unshackles the mind from limitations of fear, bringing forth your true potential. So if we are, if we look back to the disciples and how um, Jesus called them and they were to follow to their death. He wanted not just... Um, a little bit of their time or a little bit of their lives. He wanted everything focused for that purpose. And ultimately, they were killed for it. Um, and at any time, though, they could have said, oh, I'm done. This is getting too scary. I'm, 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 about to, I'm about to cross that line. And then they could have stopped, but they didn't. They had such a commitment. They had already said, we're already dead for this cause, so we're going to see it through. So the scripture that I have is Second uh, Corinthians uh, chapter five, starting verse six. It says so we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, 
not by sight. Yes, if we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. And it might help to remember that regardless of whether you want to do that or not, none of us are making it out of the world alive, right? So, it would be better, this is my opinion, it would be better, and this is not easy, to just say, I'm already dead for this cause, so I'm going to see it through. There's no fear at that point. Because what can they do to me? There's no embarrassment. There's no fear. It's not me that lives, but Christ that's living through me. I died whenever he called me to be his servant. I am his servant, not my own servant. Peter got offended whenever Jesus said, uh, John, this youngest John will live out his life. Peter says, wait a minute. Why will he get to do that? Jesus said, prophesying that will happen. You do what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Peter, 30 years later, said, crucify me upside down. I don't deserve to be crucified like Jesus was. Yeah. Everything has consequences. Mark 8, uh, verse 35, starting verse 35, 36, says, For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses life for, sa- for, for my sake and the gospel will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? We started talking about pride and and how to fight it back. It's to be aware that it can be so sneaky um, and to actively avoid it. The ways to avoid it is to not not think a job is beneath you. Right, like we talked about at the very beginning, um, there are there's humility in doing something that's considered beneath your station. It it helps a mindset. It creates a mindset that um, will keep you humble and allow you to underst- or appreciate what others may do. Keeps you grounded. Um, I'll get, there's a weird Japanese tradition that very powerful people in several tech companies, I think uh, Panasonic is one of them, that the CEO will clean toilets because it keeps him humble. And it keeps his focus on this, keeps him out of his own head, being, well, I'm the, I'm the leader guy, I do all this. It keeps him humble, and, and to his point, he thinks that's what causes him to be successful. Do you know who Herb Kelleher was? I do not. He's South of Sarah Okay. Creator CEO. Likes scotch. <laughs> yeah, he likes scotch. Uh, he, everywhere he went, if he got on a flight, he had the flight attendants sit down, and he did her portion of the flight. When he came to visit Oklahoma City, he would tell one of the agents at the front, um, go find something to do for a couple of hours. I'm going to work your shift. 
go eat, go do anything. Or he'd work a flight. He would do anything. He'd get on the ramp and throw bags. <laughs> and uh, people, we, every time we'd see him, we were, we were just amazed. He was, he was just one of us. And I worked there for a number of years. So Interesting. That's, that's why I know your favorite child first. So. <laughs> yeah, right. I think it's a good it's a good thing to remember too is that nothing is below your station. Right. There's no such thing as station. And whenever you start getting into that mentality, whenever you start thinking it's like, well, that's not my job, then you you you're going down the wrong path for right. sure. I'll, I'll end with this uh, Philippians chapter two, starting in verse five. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So, there's our example. Ultimate servant leadership. Mm -hmm. And next week we'll whatever go through, that, yeah. we'll follow some other... Yeah. Next week we'll look at some other leaders and how they how they they learned